Welcome to another episode of So Help Me Pod, a podcast exploring the theologies of the American presidency and the influences those theologies had on public policy. Uh, my name is Rob Lee, and I am the host of the show. There have been two Quaker presidents in our nation's history, uh, President Herbert Hoover in the 1920s and President Richard M. Nixon at the end of the 1960s and early 1970s. While both presidencies were underwhelming, if they were, say, by works alone, then one of the presidents would stand at risk of losing his membership in the Quaker Church, as was suggested by some during his presidency. Yet even still, the influences of Quakerism and its rich history in this country had significant influence on both men and their time in office. So what will you say about each man? You can say a lot and say what you will, uh, but both stood at the porthole of a new and next generation they just weren't ready to be a part of if it weren't for their own trappings. Today, to help us make sense of Richard Nixon and Herbert Hoover, along with their faith tradition, the Quaker Church, I invited Dr. Steve Angel on the podcast. Dr. Angel is the Leather Rock Professor of Quaker Studies at Earlham uh, School of Religion. He holds degrees from Vanderbilt University. Earlham School of Religion, and Boston University. I think he really helps us make sense of some of this, so let's listen into our conversation on Quakerism and the American presidency. Dr. Stephen and Angel, thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. Sure. Good to be with you. So we have had two presidents, Herbert Hoover and Richard Nixon, um, who have served in the office of the presidency, um, but have also been, uh, insofar as we can tell, Quaker. So if you don't mind, for those of us who might not be familiar with the Quaker faith, tell us about the Quakers' history in the United States. Well, sure. Um, Quakers actually began in England um, around 1650 um, as uh, part of the radical um, uh, sects um, that arose during the English Civil War. Um, and the Quakers um, uh, eschewed um, uh, set liturgies and uh, priests or ministers um, and um, were uh, uh, very um, uh, di directed by um, their uh, reliance on the on the Holy Holy Spirit, uh, so Quaker worship, for example, was um, was uh, uh, met in silence and uh, continued in silence until somebody was led by the Spirit to speak. Um, as to your question, as to um, the how Quakers came to the United States or to North America. Um, the uh, uh, Quakers were were rather uh, severely um, persecuted uh, uh, in uh, the starting in the 
period of Oliver Cromwell, but uh, more particularly uh, when the king returned with the restoration uh, and uh, thrown into prison. Um, so um, uh, Quakers uh, began uh, to to settle in areas like uh, Maryland and uh, and Rhode Island uh, and also uh, convert many of the of the um, of of the uh, colonists who lived in those uh, those provinces, uh, but the uh, the larger scale um, uh, a larger scale settlement of Quakers came uh, during the 1670s and thereafter, and was focused uh, on the um, the Middle Atlantic region. Um, led famously by uh, William Penn, um, you know, so there was a, a, a rather um, uh, significant uh, degree of Quaker settlement in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey, uh, but in general, they were found throughout the uh, out the American colonies. Uh, they are also known uh, for their uh, their peacemaking. Uh, and uh, eventually for um, uh, in the 18th century for their anti-slavery uh, uh, work as well. I, I hope you might talk about uh, for a second the anti-slavery work. I know neither Herbert, Herbert Hoover nor Richard Nixon served during that time, but I do think it's an important uh, aspect of the Quaker faith to grasp in, in relationship to, to, to the praxis of the faith and how people practice their faith. Uh, in, in that in that in in that denomination uh, of the Christian Christian tradition, oh, yeah, um, and uh, the Quakers um, uh, from the seventeenth uh, century onward uh, were rather uh, diverse uh, in their views. One of the the first uh, Quaker uh, anti-slavery uh, petition. Uh, came uh, in Pennsylvania in 1688 from a group of Quakers who had um, had uh, uh, migrated to Pennsylvania from Germany and, and Holland uh, and uh, lived in what is uh, what is now called Germantown. Um, but at that time, uh, Quakers did not have a a strong, uh, indeed, any uh, um, any uh, society-wide uh, tradition on on slavery uh, and anti-slavery, and uh, uh, a good number of of Quakers in Pennsylvania and uh, Barbados and elsewhere were actually uh, sizable slaveholders. But uh, one of the uh, tenets of Quakerism, one of its its traits, if you will, is the belief that uh, that there's a kind of a progressive or continuing revelation. So uh, God may disclose truths that uh, that were unknown in previous generations, um, and uh, you know, ev eventually the uh, protest by the Germantown Quakers. Uh, was embraced um, by a majority of Quakers uh, in um, in the um, 
starting in uh, places like uh, Pennsylvania, uh, but eventually uh, spreading uh, throughout the Quaker world. Um, and uh, the uh, witness of of uh, strong anti-slavery uh, uh, advocates within the uh, Quaker um, Quaker community, such as uh, Be Benjamin Lay and Anthony Benezet and John Woolman, uh, were uh, significant in uh, in getting a, uh, a consensus, the sense of the meeting on on among Quakers that uh, that uh, slaveholding. Uh, was uh, an impermissible um, uh, degree, uh, had a, a degree of, of violence and uh, uh, coercion and uh, uh, exploitation. Um, you know, so uh, by 1782, uh, all Quakers throughout the world uh, were uh, disowning or um, excluding from membership any uh, any uh, Quaker who continued to um, um, to to hold slaves.
You've been listening to So Help Me Pod, a podcast of Beloved Journal in conjunction with Pacific School of Religion in Berkeley, California. The podcast is offered in partial completion of the Doctor of Ministry degree for the Reverend Robert W. Lee. All opinions and insights offered are solely owned by that of those who offered them and do not reflect the views of stakeholders in the project. There have been 45 men and 46 presidential administrations, all of them unique. Some of them have been more interesting than others, some of them more terrifying than others. All have been part of the grand expression of democracy on the North American continent and part of the wider conversation of self-governance in the world. These men have failed profoundly, and we have failed profoundly in following their leadership along with our own sometimes antiquated and backwards ways of viewing and acting in the world. That said, this form of leadership is unlike few other, and the greatest gift we have has been given in the ways in which the American experiment continues to prosper despite our terrible misgivings. We are better off because of these men, and we are forever in their debt. For more information, visit www.robleethenumber4.com slash presidents.